Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Okay, Kanye. <laughs> whoop diddy scoop. What? What's what's with the whoop and scoop? I don't this know. Week? I just didn't know how to start it. I just pressed record. Usually yeah. we go hey hey, but I wanted to. I wanted something new. Yeah, you wanted to mix it up. We yeah. never know how to start an episode. <laughs> It'll get easier as we go. I feel. Probably not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. I'm just gonna project that. We'll manifest. We'll manifest. Yeah. You love manifesting. You're shit right. You're I do. You're all about manifestation. Hell yeah, I've been what are you manifesting this week, Stephanie? What am I not manifesting? That's a better question. That's a better question. Um, no, but we have some exciting news. We picked a name. Oh, for... uh, what was the result of the, the poll? The result is Naughties. What up, Naughties? What up? Wait, this was this was my mom's suggestion. It was, yeah. That is fantastic. Shout yeah. out. She's mom. gonna love it. <laughs> There you go. She she's she picked a name. Yeah, yeah. For a while, it was close between Sir Thrivers and Naughties, but Naughties prevailed. So cool. Yep. Well, what's this week about? What are we doing? Yeah, here? this week is exciting. We are jumping into a story about Maria Bellone and her family and how they survived the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, also known as the Boxing Day tsunami. So this story is crazy. To say the Wait, least. Boxing Day? Like, yeah, it's. I don't know why it's called the Boxing Day Tsunami, but it's, it's said also known as Boxing Day Tsunami. Isn't Boxing Day a Canadian holiday? I have no idea. Okay. Do I look Canadian wow. to you? Uh, why did we become Southern? <laughs> I don't know. Please continue. Yeah, anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's late. <laughs> We're getting punchy. Anyway, so uh, most of my information came from ScreenRant.com, Daily Record, Wikipedia, and also the movie The Impossible. So let's jump in, shall we? Maria Ballone was born in Spain on May 12th, 1966, and Maria was married to Enrique Alvarez, and together they had three sons, Lucas being the oldest, then Tomas and Simon. And Maria was a physician, but had taken time away from her job when she had her kids. And in 2004, the family lived in Japan for Enrique's job, but they planned a trip to Kaolak, Thailand for the Christmas holiday. And... On Christmas Eve of that year, the Bologna Alvarez family traveled to Orchid Resort Hotel in Kaolak, Thailand for their vacation. The family arrived at the resort and it was gorgeous. Their room was beautiful. It faced the ocean. There was a beautiful pool. Just, they were all stoked to be there. And on Christmas morning, Maria and Enrique woke up their children to some Christmas presents that they had prepared. Um, you know, they had toys and it was just a beautiful day. They, they swam in the ocean, they had fun on, on, you know, the beach. But all of that day, Maria said that she felt like a nervous animal for no particular reason. She just like had a bad feeling. Oh, she knew. Yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't know, but she had a feeling. She had a feeling. Yeah, she, some... she couldn't like put her finger on it, but she just like was very anxious all day. Yeah, the vibe was off. The vibe was off is what we're saying. Yeah. And yeah, she just said that she felt like as if something were coming, but she didn't know what. And she kept bringing it up to her husband, but he was like, you just need to calm down. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing going on. Just chill, you know? <laughs> Just... Classic husband response. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like 99% of the time, that's correct. Hey, husbands, listen to women's intuition. Anyway. <laughs> she knew. She knew. She knew. 
And the next day, on December 26th, around 8 a.m., the family decided to spend the day in the pool. Little did they know that only an hour or so earlier, there was an undersea megathrust earthquake that registered a magnitude of 9.1 to 9.3 off of the coast of Indonesia. That is a big earthquake. And this earthquake caused a series of massive tsunami waves that would grow up to 30 meters or 100 feet high. Holy shit. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That's like, I, I, I remember uh, when I first was reading about this story, I, I said to you, I always say that this is my worst nightmare whenever I'm talking about a story, but this is truly my worst nightmare. <laughs> like, How many ocean? more times are you going to say that on this podcast? Like, We will keep going let's lower keep and lower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just a, a side tangent. I was talking to my therapist yesterday and I kept talking to her about how I, I'm like, I keep getting anxious about death for some reason. And she's like, hmm, you host a survival story podcast, right? You, you read about a lot of like crazy stories right and i was like yeah and she's like you think that has a tie to anything and i was like hmm, <laughs> hmm. so she just read you yeah she read me it's fine anyway let's keep That's going <laughs> carrying on um apparently this is a very serious topic so we're gonna bring it back down to serious land Apparently, when the Indian Ocean tsunami struck on December 26, 2004, no one saw the massive waves coming. Authorities in Indonesia weren't able to send out an alert because the country's sensor system had been hit by lightning. So... Oh, what? Yeah. Wow. This is just like a culmination of bad luck. Absolutely. And despite a delay of up to several hours between the earthquake and the impact of the tsunami, nearly all of the victims were taken by surprise. Tsunami detection is not easy because while a tsunami is in deep water, it has a little height and a network of sensors is needed to detect it. So you need some like serious sensors to, to even detect it. And theirs was struck by lightning, apparently. So not a good combination of things. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't see lightning coming. No, right. What the fuck? Yeah, so, you know, back to Maria and her family. Their three kids and Enrique are splashing in the pool, having a good time, playing with a ball that the kids had gotten the day earlier for Christmas. And Maria sat on a lounge chair and read a book. Maria then got up and was standing near the pool. And her oldest son, Lucas, had gotten out of the water to fetch the ball that they were playing with, while Enrique and their two younger sons were still in the pool. Right in this moment, the winds pick up, and Maria starts to hear this sound, and it was unlike anything she had ever heard before. She said no one recognized the sound. It felt like the earth was coming apart, but everything looked perfect. And that's when the earth started to rumble. A silence kind of fell over the entire pool area as everyone looked around, just trying to figure out what was going on. And that's when Maria said she saw a black wall coming toward them and fast. And she said in that moment, she knew that it was a tsunami. And she kind of had this weird connection with tsunamis for many years before this even happened. She said she would have nightmares about tsunamis often and was actively scared of being caught in one for no particular reason. Whoa, yeah. she knew her future. Yeah. What the fuck? That is woo-woo. That is some woo-woo shit right there. And she said when her family was looking for a home in Japan, she recalled asking the real estate agent if there would be any tsunamis. And the agent was like, literally no one has ever asked me that before. He was like, I've done this for many years and nobody has asked me that question. But like relevant? 
Hello? I mean... Relevant? To, to that situation? Well, I mean, relevant now, considering Excuse she's me, Fukushima? in Fukushima? Hello? Oh, yeah, for sure. Hello? Japan has tsunamis. That's true. That is true. I was wrong. Um, and she really had no reason for this fixation, but it was something that she had thought about a lot in her life. And now she's, you know, standing facing a tsunami. She, she, it's looking her in the face. This is weird because she felt it the day of. Yeah. And she's felt it her whole life. Yeah. What is going on? Woo woo. Please continue. I'm sorry. I will continue. So she said, I screamed to my husband and to the kids. I thought it was the end of all of us. Lucas was crying out, mama, mama. Then they all disappeared under the water. Fuck. It is a, this is a really serious, like, I can't, (laughs) I can't, I can't even like, I can't do that moment. Oh yeah. Kids and parents and, you know. I'm going to cry. Yeah. So it only took seconds before everyone was hit by this intense wave and were swept up by the Indian Ocean. When the tsunami reached Thailand, the waves were still traveling at 500 miles per hour. Nearly 5,400 people in Thailand would lose their lives, including 2,000 foreign tourists. And in total, the tsunami claimed an estimated 227,989 people in 14 countries, making it one of the deadliest natural disasters in recorded history. What? Holy shit. Yeah, it is a a really, really terrible thing that That happened. That number is... Is staggering. Un, like you can't put that into your brain no you can't it's even so think big. about that many people and yeah it, it was all it all happened in like a matter of a few hours i mean you're hit by this wave and it's like you don't even know what happened wow yeah i'm trying to think of like a comparison it's like how many people died in normandy it's probably I less i don't know like yeah that's insane yeah and this wave was full of debris i mean it's a tsunami so anything that can be swept up is swept up, including buildings, you know? They have parts of buildings, power lines, cars, falling trees, you know, people and animals, some living, some dead. Everything is just swept up in this gigantic, terrifying wave. Excuse me, buildings? Yeah, parts of buildings. Like, walls would crumble and would just be in this wave. There was every single kind of debris was in this wave. Maria said she believed she was under the water being thrown around like a rag doll for about three minutes. She said, I went through a lot of very difficult moments under the water. Shock and fear about the boys. I remember being pushed against walls. You could feel them trembling and breaking. I was not in physical pain, but the drowning sensation was like being in a spin dryer. The doctor said I was underwater for over three minutes because my lungs were full of water. Wow. When she finally resurfaced, she is gasping for air and is still being pulled by this extremely strong current, but is able to cling on to a tree. She said it was hard to work out what things were because nothing looked normal. But in that moment, Maria said she saw something that gladdened her heart. About 15 meters away, she could see a little head. And she thought to herself, I think that's Lucas. And that's when she heard him screaming for her. So she went to go get him. She said, in that moment, it felt like the most blessed vision I'd ever had. You forget about yourself and you just think about saving them. So she fought this current until she was able to grab onto Lucas and the two of them clung to a tree together. They held onto this tree for some time and ended up floating to a point where they could stand again. I mean, this, you know, went over a matter of probably 30 minutes to an hour that they were like in this current being pulled. But at some point they were able to stand again. 
the water, you know, when they were able to stand again, the water was still up to their necks, but they managed to walk through this muddy water, through these high grasses and through brush and fallen trees and debris, and also were walking past dead things floating in the water. It was just a complete disaster zone. Everything is, is destroyed. And the entire time, they're just terrified that it's not over and they're going to be hit by another wave because this wasn't one wave. It was it was multiple waves and it would just keep hitting them and keep tumbling them and it was just terrible. So as they're walking further and further through this water, the levels start to go down and now their wounds are starting to show. And Maria had sustained some pretty serious injuries in this wave, as you can imagine. She had cuts all over her body, including a deep gash on her chest and a terrible wound on the back of her thigh. It looked as if someone had peeled off half of the back of her thigh and the skin was just hanging off, like exposing her muscle. Ugh, oh my god. Yeah, she also had broken her nose and experienced internal bleeding in her kidneys, bladder, and intestines. So she is not doing well. And Maria and Lucas used whatever they could find to bandage up Maria's leg. They they found like leaves and and you know wires and you know anything they could to like tie up her leg as best they could, but it was still bleeding pretty badly because yeah, you stop know, the bleeding. Right. Um and Lucas was definitely banged up, but not nearly as bad as Maria. That's good. Yeah, I mean that at least is something. They keep going forward and soon the water is only up to their calves. And the two keep walking forward looking for a way out of this water, and soon they spot a tall tree that they'd be able to climb. And as they're making their way to this tree, they hear a young boy calling out for help. Maria immediately tells Lucas that they need to go find that little boy and help him, but Lucas is like, no, you're hurt, and more importantly, what if another wave comes and we get swept up again? Like, he is so concerned about his mother, and he's like, we need to survive this, essentially. And, he, I mean, he's a young boy. He's he's really not that old. He's probably, like, 14 at this. I don't know his exact age. I probably should have looked it up. But he he's young, you know? And he's very scared, and he's freaking out at this point that they just need to get to this tree and get out of water. But Maria insists that they go find this boy because she has young sons of her own. And what if something had happened to them? You know, she, she would want someone to go out of their way to help her child. And this was like a young boy, a little boy who was calling out for help. So yes, like yeah. I love this because last episode we had the bystander effect happening. Yeah. This is the shit I like am inspired by. For sure. I mean, she's a mother. She's, you know, she's not going to just leave this little baby in the wreckage, you know? So she and Lucas start yelling out to this boy, and Lucas spots just a little arm waving out from underneath a pile of debris. So they're able to pull this little boy out, and they ask what his name is, and he says his name is Daniel. Lucas swings Daniel onto his back, and the three of them head for this tall tree. And when they get there, Lucas climbs up into this tree and helps Daniel up like in front of him. He pulls him up into the tree. And Lucas then comes down to help his mother, but she's like, I got it. I can do it, okay? She didn't want to face exactly how bad her wounds were at this point, but, you know, she was kind of in denial. So Lucas comes down anyway and pretty much hoists his mother up into this tree, but he's a tiny boy himself. You know, he's, he, or he wasn't tiny, but he was a young boy. You know, he's lifting up his, his mother, his, his whole ass mother into this tree. So it's, it's difficult and it's hard, but they managed to get into the tree and 
are, they're able to rest for a minute. Maria said, I was dying. I could feel it happening to me. When I was up in the tree, bleeding very heavily with very deep wounds, I could feel the dying process. I had really bad internal bleeding as well. So very quickly, Maria is withering away. I could feel the dying process. Yeah. Wow. I mean, think That's about how it. she worded it. She's too. she's losing so much blood, and she know she's a physician as well, so she knows what's going on. You know, mm. she's got internal bleeding. She's got gashes. She's her leg is profusely bleeding, so she's not doing well, and she has pretty much a, sh- a pretty short amount of time. And after a little bit of time, Lucas spots a few native Thai men searching for people. They immediately start calling out for help, and the men help them out of the tree. So Lucas and Daniel are able to walk with the men back to their, I guess, village. I didn't know exactly what to call it. But Maria, at this point, can't walk and is literally being dragged by one of these men through the mud, like just full on dragged. And she is in excruciating pain. She is screaming out. She like, you know, is literally dying. And this man is just dragging her through the mud. Just one man. And she said, the man wouldn't allow me to die. He dragged me through the mud for a long time until he was sure that I was in good hands. So there are so many incredible people in this in this story. Like so many people just wanted to help each other and, you know, make sure that everyone was okay. And it's just incredible. Yeah. No, he wouldn't allow me to die. Yeah. And when they got back to their village, they lay Maria down on the ground where she is surrounded by a group of elderly local women who try to help her, help her the best they can. They put some of their clothes on her, they comfort her, they lay her back down, and they, they just share this beautiful moment where, you know, they, they don't speak each other's languages, but Maria is just being held by these women, and she's just saying thank you and, and crying, and, you know, it's, it's just such a powerful moment. That's when the men come back outside and lift Maria onto a door that they, you know, are using as a stretcher. So they load her up into the back of a pickup truck along with Lucas and they drive her to the hospital. And this is kind of when they lose track of Daniel because Daniel didn't come up into the truck with them for whatever reason. So, but they're on their way to the hospital. So there's not really much they can do. And they know that he's in, you know, good hands. Hmm. While they're driving to the hospital, they see multiple injured people as well as dead people on the side of the road, you know, just as they're driving. The whole, like everything was destroyed. It's like an apocalypse. It really looked like an apocalypse. An apocalypse. Like it. It was crazy. There. There was. Everyone was wounded. Everyone was missing. Someone. There were dead people everywhere. Dead animals. Like there was not a building in sight. Like everything was just destroyed. Trees were down. You know everything. Also at this point, Maria was sure that her family had been killed. She said, "Not for one second did I believe that Enrique and my other boys were alive." Thankfully, she was wrong about that. When the Fuck su- yes. Yeah. When the tsunami struck, Enrique was holding his two young sons in his arms. But after the initial hit, he lost them. The wave had sent him crashing into a column on the ground floor of the hotel. And soon he, he was washed away, but was able to grab onto a tree and clung on for about half an hour. As he's holding onto this tree, he just wept because he was convinced that his entire family had been killed. But after many, many minutes astonishingly he heard his his son thomas's voice shouting papa mama lucas simon fuck 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I can't do it. It's a really tough one. When I watched this movie, I cried for about 80% of it. Like, it was really hard to watch. And Enrique was able to make his way to Tomas, and the two held onto each other and to this tree. And soon enough, amazingly, they heard Simon yelling for help as well above the roar of the rushing water. And Simon was only five at the time. Yeah, I can't do that. Just take a breath. (laughs) Yeah. So the three of them were able to make it out of the water and were surrounded by other tourists and people who survived the waves. And they were at a hotel. I'm unsure if it's the hotel that they were staying at, but it was at least one nearby. But there was a bunch of people at this hotel taking shelter, finding transportation to hospitals, and just looking for their loved ones. This time was extremely difficult for Enrique because he had his two young sons with him in this disaster zone, but at the same time, he's so worried about Maria and Lucas, and he just wants to continue searching for them. So Enrique had to make the difficult decision to leave his two young sons with other people on the roof of this hotel to continue searching for Maria and Lucas. And Enrique actually teamed up to search the rubble with another man who had also lost his family. But by this time, Maria and Lucas had had made it to this nearby hospital, and these local Thai men were able to carry Maria into the hospital on the door that they have her they had her laying on. And this this hospital was absolute chaos. There were injured people and, and dying people everywhere, as well as concerned family members and so many people who had been split up from their family members and were just searching. The men managed to carry Maria all the way into the hospital and into this like small room. And they basically just plop her down and get up and go to help more people. And, you know, as they're leaving, Maria's like, thank, thank you. Like... <laughs> But she's also, like, dying, so it's not as funny, but it's, you know. <laughs> but it's know. just incredible. Yeah, that's incredible, but <clears throat> I've been crying for the past five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, that's, like, such a dark but, like, weirdly funny moment. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I'm also dying. Yes. So it was it was definitely not funny, but, you know, the way I said it was a little funny. But, um but I just thought it was incredible that, the, that these Thai men, like, got her to the hospital so quickly and then immediately plopped her down and just went to go help more people, you know? Yeah, they're like, hello, you're not dying today. Yeah, they're like, yeah, no. Look at me, you're not dying. Literally. And like, we're they... going to leave you here, but we're going to get more people. Yeah, they said, not today. Yeah. Oh, come uh, on. But I'm, oh, come I'm on. sorry. No, it was low-hanging you're fruit. Done. I had to. All right. My overseer. I'm telling this story now. You're okay. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Um, so, where am I? So, Maria and Lucas are in this room, and Maria, at this point, is really not doing well. Um, her injuries are terrible. She's losing a lot of blood from that, you know, wound on the back of her leg. She's bleeding internally. And I believe at this point, her kidneys were failing. And as, as a doctor, she knew that she needed antibiotics. So she's telling Lucas to just look for any sort of antibiotics in this room. I don't know why I'm saying that's so weird. Antibiotics? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> in the room. But nothing is in English. So he's frantically looking for something because she's like, I need something. Otherwise, I'm going to die. Wait, but are they from Spain? They're from Spain, but they're in Thailand. Um, so is anything in Spanish? I, they couldn't find anything. 
Okay. Oh, I said English, didn't I? Yeah. I uh, yeah. They couldn't find anything in Spanish because I was thinking about the movie The Impossible, and the, they are English in The Impossible. But no, they're they're Spanish, and actually her English wasn't very well, which was very good, very well. Her English wasn't great, is what I'm saying. Um, which was actually kind of a disadvantage in this moment because the only common language that they had, like between the the Thai people and her, was English. Like the two, you know. But oh. you know, she couldn't really communicate very well with them. But yeah, they couldn't find antibiotics. Antibiotics. Yeah, no, just anyway. Like, fuck. If you're, yeah, I don't know if you can't like just because your English isn't good, yeah. you can't find antibiotics, and that's what's. So please tell me they find antibiotics. So yeah, so a doctor soon comes into this room, and immediately they quickly assem- assess her wounds and tend to them as best as they can, um, and they give her some antibiotics. <laughs> um, but she is far, far from being out of the woods yet. You know, they basically come in. It's like a whirlwind that, you know, the doctors come, they treat her as best as they can, but there's a, a million and 10 people in this hospital. So it's it's chaos. But they bring her and Lucas into this big room where they're basically keeping and treating as many injured people as possible. And Maria's laying there and she's not doing well. So she tells Lucas, who is just nervously sitting next to her, that he should go and try to help other people if he can, because... One, I think she probably just wanted to, you know, grieve the potential loss of her family without her son seeing. And also, she just didn't want him to sit there and be so worried about her. He wanted to give him, or she wanted to give him something to do. Mm. So she's like, go help other people. You're good at it. So reluctantly, he gets up and he goes to try to help some other people. And he realizes that many people at this hospital are looking for a loved one. So he starts to take down a list of names and is running around this hospital searching for these lost family members, you know, for other people. And he actually even manages to connect a son with his father, which is incredible. And during this, he also spots Daniel, the boy that he saved from the water. And he had also been reunited with his father. So every everyone is you know everything's crazy but at least those two good things happened so lucas runs back to where his mother was being held and he finds that her bed is empty and he starts freaking out and he's trying to find her but before he can run around the entire hospital again he's taken by someone to a tent filled with lost children because he's like where is my mother what is happening and they don't have anyone's name written down like really well you know they don't have anyone well documented so they were just like, we don't know where your mother is. Come with us. It was like he was, she was just here. Yeah. I mean, he spent some time like running around this hospital, but it wasn't that long, you know? Um, and in this tent, he's asked for his information and if there's anyone that they can call for him, but he doesn't know any of his family's phone numbers off the top of his head. So he basically just tells them I'm Lucas and I'm looking for my mother. So I don't know. Um, so now he's a lost boy. And he's thinking the worst because his mother was not doing well at the point where he initially left her to go help other people. And then he comes back and the bed is empty and no one can tell him anything. So he's thinking that she's just dead and they they moved her body. Fuck. Yeah. He probably spent hours in this tent not knowing what the hell was happening until finally some nurses asked him to identify some belongings. He was... I don't like that. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. So he was asked to look at a ring... Uh, an earring and a watch and, you know, possibly some other things, but tells them that he doesn't think he recognizes any of them. 
And because, uh, but because this is happening, he's like, okay, it's official. My mom is dead. Like they're asking me to identify her things and that's it. But this is when another nurse tells him to, or yeah, this is when another nurse tells him to follow her. And Lucas is then led to his mother who is still barely hanging on, but she's alive. They, the, like I said earlier, they had no real, like, you know, system of documenting who was who, and they misnamed her. They, they gave her someone else's name. And so they didn't, they didn't know where Maria Ballone was because written on her arm or, you know, on her chart was some other person's name. So it was a mix up, but she is alive, thankfully. So Lucas is with his mother at this point, as we know, but she had gone through surgery at this point. That's where she was taken. She went through into surgery for her chest and um, that's when they mixed up her name with another patient. But after this, the nurses tell Lucas that his mother will need to go into another surgery pretty soon uh, for her leg. But in the meantime, she'll just have to stay here and, you know, wait. So now we're going to go back to Enrique. So after two days now, we're, we're kind of at like two days. This, is, this whole craziness is going on and they're, they're just waiting and whatever. Enrique is still searching for his entire family. I mean, he knows where his two young sons are, but he's, he's looking for Lucas and Maria. And he and the man that he was searching with joined together with more people to drive to different shelters and hospitals and just search for their loved ones. And a man that Enrique was searching with let him use his cell phone. So he was able to call his family back home to see if they had heard anything from Maria or Lucas, but they hadn't. He basically told them, you know, I'm alive, Tomas and Simon are alive, but I can't find Maria and Lucas, but I will do everything in my power to find them, okay? And that's how he hangs up because not many people can reach out to their families because there's no phones anywhere and people who had cell phones were trying to conserve their battery. You right. Know, to, so, it, like, the fact that he was able to call his family at all was a blessing, you know? So it was a very quick phone call, but he basically said that. And because he's still searching, he's still separated from Tomas and Simon. And the two younger boys had been taken with a bigger group of children onto this bus, and they were going to be transported to another area that they were going to hold children, I guess, in like a safer location. But this bus made a, a quick stop at the hospital where Maria and Lucas were. And Lucas had left Maria to go and get her something. Meanwhile, Enrique is also at this hospital, not knowing that his entire family it just so happens to be at this hospital as well with his search team and he begins looking at the names of people who are just on a list in the front of the hospital and lucas spots his father through a crowd and starts running to try to find to try to get to him but outside of this hospital is just crazy or it's just as crazy as the inside so there's tents set up everywhere there's people everywhere so lucas starts screaming for his father to get his attention but while he's yelling for his father, Tomas and Simon hear Lucas's screams and they immediately run to him. So Lucas and, and Simon and Tomas are reunited and, you know, they, they're hugging and crying and they just never thought that they'd see each other again. And that is when the three boys spot their father again and the four of them just hold each other and cry. <laughs> Do you need a moment? fuck this story is so hard <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's <clears throat> definitely emotional after that lucas led his father and his brothers to where maria was being held before her second surgery and when enrique wakes her up 
All she can do is stare at him and her two other sons. She said, they say my name softly, yell it louder. I'm already walking toward the tunnel. Mama, mama, wake up. Did you get on the same wave as I did? Simon is covered in mud. Thomas, with his chubby cheeks and tear-streaked face, uh, is at his side. He had scratches and blood. He is very sad and very serious. Ma, aren't you happy to see us? (laughs) And this is taken, that's a quote from what Maria said. She is so weak at this point that all she can do is ask Enrique, did I die? He told her no, she didn't die. And they're all here and they all made it out. And Maria is really not doing well at this point. She is as white as a sheet. She is bleeding internally. She has probably hours, you know, to live. And she basically tells Enrique to take care of their children because she's not going to live. Fuck you. (laughs) Oh, God. How many more times am I going to cry during this episode? When I tell you I cried through like 80% of like literally the almost the entire movie like (laughs) go watch the impossible it's a really good movie oh my god yep (laughs) I can't I'm not gonna be able to take care of my own children oh okay you're good bring more let's let's keep let's twist the knife shall we (laughs) but Enrique tells her that this is not the end and she's going to be fine. So this is when Maria is rushed into surgery. And the surgery was, I mean, I guess what they were doing was successful. So she comes out of surgery. She's not dead. And as soon as she comes out of this surgery, the family was airlifted from Thailand to Singapore, where Maria would continue to be treated for her injuries. She spent the next 14 months in hospitals in Singapore and then in Spain. It took her two and a half years to physically recover. Maria ended up losing half of her leg, and her whole body is full of scars, but other than that, she pulled through. She lost half her leg? Yep. And took two and a half years... To physically recover, yeah. To physically recover. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Could you imagine spending 14 months in a hospital? No, that's a very long time. Like, imagine spending this entire pandemic... In a hospital. Yeah. That's That's the amount of time that she spent in the hospital. Yeah. I can't believe that. Mm Mm-hmm. The Indian Ocean tsunami of 2004 was responsible for so much devastation and destruction. According to a Guardian article published in 2009, the International Federation Red Cross provided 4,807,000 people with assistance. Uh, 51,395 new houses had been built, 289 hospitals and clinics built or rehabilitated, and they pledged international aid from all sources for their recovery uh, and had topped $13.5 billion, you know, toward this uh, recovery. Almost half of it was given by private individuals or organizations. But that's that's incredible. That's, wow. wow. You know? And Maria continues to work as a doctor as well as an advocate for survivors still recovering from the tsunami. Um, Enrique works with refugees arriving in Greece, and he managed to keep in touch with the man he was searching with, but, you know, it was tough because that man lost his two children in the disaster. In an interview several years ago, Maria said, the family gathers on a beach each December 26th to remember. She said, no matter where we all are, this is a commitment we have forever. We need to be close to the souls of the dead. 
all three boys have also committed to their lives to service. The, uh, Lucas, her eldest son, went on to study medicine at University College uh, London. Oh, and this past year, he worked on the front line of COVID-19 pandemic, helping patients in London. Wow. Yeah. Tomas studied science, technology, and international affairs at Georgetown University, and he advocates for early tsunami warning systems. Um, Simon, the youngest, is currently in school, Both and both younger boys are trained lifeguards. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. It gave me chills. It just gave me chills. Maria also worked really hard and closely with the director of the movie, The Impossible. Truly, like, the the movie is so good. Like, go and watch this movie. It came out in 2012. It's on Netflix. Like, go watch it. It's so good. Um, She said it was important to her to make the movie as accurate as possible to what actually happened. And many of the tsunami survivors had seen the movie and said that it is extremely accurate to what happened. And also, the movie is pretty much her story to a T. So if you want to see exactly what I just explained, go on and watch it because it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you don't cry, you are a psychopath. Oh, God, like, a full this psychopath. Is, <laughs> this is so... You showed me like one scene. Yeah. And I was like, I can't... I'm not... I like, I can't emotionally do this tonight. Oh, yeah. And like... <laughs> I, I fully cried the entire time. I mean, I've said that three times now, but you get it. Um, uh, but it's true, it's, and now you really know it. Yes. <laughs> they even shot the movie in a, pl- in a lot of the same places as the actual story, like, where it took place. The scene where the tsunami initially hit, they filmed at the same resort they were staying at in 2004, and the actors were actually standing in the exact places that the family were. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That's incredible mm-hmm. attention to detail. Oh, yeah. The, the, I mean, like, truly, the entire movie was like just detail like maria made it so clear that it was going to be the exact thing because she didn't want anyone to feel like it was you know misrepresented or anything because it was such a tragedy you know yeah she didn't want it to feel played up for hollywood because it really was just that horrific yes and she also really wanted to emphasize the fact that it was it didn't matter like who you were or the color of your skin or your nationality like you are this is a very human experience you know there was just so many deep deep emotions that happened and so that's pretty much the whole essence of this movie and it is just so beautiful but also so heartbreaking and so just oh my god i can't say enough good things about it it's so good (sighs) but you will cry you will cry through a lot of it (laughs) just be warned yeah they actually also went back to the same hospital you know, in the movie and where they, where Maria was being treated. And she said that this was an amazing experience because she got to go back and thank people who saved her life all those years ago. The whole experience was very emotional. And they filmed this movie in the dry season in Thailand, but it rained almost every day they were filming. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but Maria said something really beautiful about the rain. She said, I could almost feel all, all the souls there. It was raining and raining and raining during the whole shoot, and it shouldn't be raining. It was the dry season. Uh, Bayona would say, Maria, what is going on? I would say, they need to cry. Let them. Which is just so beautiful to me. I just, I thought it was like, it gives me the heebies, you know? Yes. 
And I, I don't know, I just think it's important to be aware that things like this happen, you know? It, it, it like, you never think, like, I'm gonna be a tsunami, in a tsunami, you know what I mean? Or anything like that. Like, natural disasters happen. And it's not a bad idea to have an emergency kit set up in case something like, you know, like this, or even not like this, like just any natural disaster happens. I've actually been meaning to get some stuff together, like, just in case, yeah. like a first aid kit, extra water, flashlight, yeah. like, you just never know. So, you know, prepare, you know, just be prepared. And if you never need it, sick. But if you need it, sick. Also sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Amen. Actually, the reason I was, uh, <laughs> like, really wanting to get a first aid kit together was when I was first told by my coworkers that there was going to be a zombie apocalypse this year. And then oh. I was like, oh... What was predicting it was no, that? Uh, Nostradamus. It was someone interpreted his prediction as zombie apocalypse, but I don't think that that's actually. Yeah, I think they're full of shit. Yeah. Well, we'll see. No. In the next we're year, we're not going to project that because Maria, Maria, kind of manifested a tsunami, and she was then she was in one. So I'm not going to manifest zombies. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so that's I'm gonna un- I'm gonna say that it it, it won't happen. No. No. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they probably, like, I don't really know what predictions he made, but they probably latch on to the ones that he was right about and, like, forget about all the other ones that he, like, got wrong. Yeah, because he has gotten things wrong. Um, and also, I think I read, I don't know if I read, like, verbatim his his prediction. I thought I did. And it, it could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Like, it, it was very vague, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think people were like, oh, it's going to be zombies because I mean, could it also dead. just be a pandemic? Could he yeah, have, well, like, it was been the... a year off and Could've. be like, yo, everyone's going to get sick at the same time? Could have. I don't know. Anyway, that's not important at all. But get your emergency kits together. You never know what's going to happen or what you're going to need. So it's just For good sure. to have that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anything else to say about it? No. Uh, the, it's just, like, I the emotions of this one is, like... Uh, it gotcha. So hard. I can't, like... Whenever there's children involved. Yeah, children and parents. And like, that'll get you every single time. Like, the kid asking his mom, what did he ask his mom? Like, are you going to live or something like that? When, when? I don't know. Uh, I forget. Like, I'm having, like, I fucking dissociated. Or the, the, <laughs> fully just checked out. Yeah. Um, what the, when Simon asked, um, aren't you happy to see us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is very emotional. Yeah. Palette cleanser? Palette please. cleanser. What's your happy to, thing? Yes. What's your good thing? I am getting the vaccine yes, you tomorrow. Are. We're going to have to wake up so goddamn early. I don't <laughs> care. I, know. I do not care. Give me Pfizer. Give me give Pfizer me or the give Pfizer. me death. Don't, no, don't I, give me death. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, not that, but, like, you're on the right give emotion. Me, give me Pfizer, though. The vibes are right with you. Right. Uh, the words are not. Uh, but, you know, that's my good thing. Great. Oh, I really should have thought about my good thing. I told you to think about uh-huh. yours, and I didn't think See, about it. See, you're in my position. You don't know anything that's good. Think, 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 Shit. think. Yeah, okay, that could be my good thing, actually. I, I'm i excited that I will get to, like, kind of relax a little bit. We kind of uh, have been working really hard, and I am going to be able to, like, breathe for, like, a week, which is nice, and I'm excited for that. You know, we're going to be... explain why? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we're gonna be in Tampa, which is nice, and I'm I'm excited to like lay by a pool for a week. There's gonna be a hot tub, 
That's definitely a good thing. Yeah. That's a Amen. super good thing. Anyways, <laughs> if you would like to follow us on Instagram uh, and keep track of all the pictures we post about each of the stories we talk about, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast. If you have a story, please send it to us at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at nottodaypodcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Oh, because that makes sense. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And you can follow us on TikTok at Not Today Podcast. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.